McGregor versus Poirier 3 is all set for UFC 264. Every punch, kick, and knockout means so much more with the DraftKings lineup on the line. DraftKings, the official daily fantasy partner of UFC, is giving you a shot at huge cash prizes. For this weekend's fight, DraftKings is offering all customers a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. If you haven't tried it yet, fantasy MMA is easy to play. Just pick six fighters, stay under the salary cap, and pile up points for advances, takedowns, and more. There's no better way to put your MMA knowledge to the test than to compete for a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. Plus, don't forget about basketball and hockey where DraftKings has even more money up for grabs throughout the week. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. It's a McGregor versus Poirier rubber match. Get in on the action now. Download the DraftKings app and use promo code TBPN for your shot at millions of dollars in total prizes throughout the week. That's promo code TBPN to get a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. Only at DraftKings. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Live from Orlando, Florida, you're now listening to the Ozone Podcast, the voice of Orlando Magic fans. Join us every week for a unique fan perspective on all of the latest Magic news and updates. The show starts now. Welcome back to another episode of the Ozone Podcast, brought to you by DraftKings and now part of the Basketball Podcast Network. We're your host, Al, myself, Anthony, and today is July 8th, and we are exactly 21 days away from the NBA draft. What's up, Al? What's going on? Al, I got some good news, and I got some bad news. Hit me me with the bad one first. We're going to jump right into it. The bad news is, man, my trip got canceled. I was going to say, we were not supposed to record today. I'm like, no. no, it It got canceled right now. I should be out in the Dominican Republic doing all you can eat all you can drink um unfortunately it it didn't it did not happen did not happen listen i'm depressed i'm sad but the good news is and i called it man i called it the magic right now if you haven't heard now you do now you know which I'm sure if you're listening you know that the orlando the orlando magic are closing in on dallas mavericks assistant jamal mosley and has emerged as a strong front runner to become the franchise next head coach espn watch What's crazy is that if I would have gotten on that plane, exactly what would have happened? I would have missed out on the news, access to absolutely no internet, come back, and we end up hiring Jamal Mosley. So we're going to jump right into the reactions, and and let's talk Magic Basketball Coach. Um, What are your initial thoughts? We decided to go a little bit of a different route than uh, most people assumed that we were going or thought that we might be, you know, taking the path of, and uh, we went with Jamal Mosley. What are you thinking? Man, so being honest, not what I think we wanted, right? Let's be let's start with the reality factor here and, and really be sincere. Not what I personally wanted for the magic. Um, nothing against Jamal mostly. I, I said it last week in the episode. I don't know enough about him to really give feedback, whether it's good or bad about him. Um, I started doing my research today on him and, and, and really good things come out how good of a developmental coach he is, how close he gets to the guys. Um, so he really has a good feeling for the locker room and guys really respond to him, which is a great thing. But being honest, not, I think, a name that we had in the top of our list when we knew that Coach Clifford was gone. Um, I'm going to embrace him. You know, I'm going to trust the front office. Like I keep saying, I keep trusting them with their decisions. But 100%, not a name that I had in my list. What about you? How are you feeling as we kind of know that this is the direction we're going? Uh, I mean, when we initially talked about the criteria that we wanted, mostly kind of checked the boxes in those regards. We we know that we wanted a former player. Um, he didn't play in the NBA, went undrafted um, in the NBA draft, played professionally internationally. Um, we wanted someone that was young enough to to be able to connect with the younger players. Um, but when we talk about, you know, our, our list, the, the coaches that we wanted, he was in my top five. He Uh was in your top five. Let's be honest. He was on no one's top five. So I'm not, I'm not upset with the hire. I expected 
I'm not surprised. Like I, I get the reasons why we went this direction, but in all honesty, who's really left? You know the so we we had a conversation before we popped on, uh, Wes Unsale Jr. Um, we were so it, it, we knew that was going to be between them two. They they were listed as the finalists. Um, Mosley was supposed to have his interview with the Wizards tomorrow, and it, it seems as if the Magic made a decision that Mosley was going to be their guy, which makes me feel good. It makes me feel good knowing the fact that we didn't just go with the leftover. You know, we made a decision, decided to go that route. At the same time, I wonder if if he was a, a favorite from the very beginning, if he was someone that caught their eye and and surprised them. Um, you know, is if he wasn't the first choice, who were your first choices? And I I, I want to know why we weren't selected. You know, answers the questions that that we would never get. But uh, I'm interested to hear what Jeff Wallman has to say in the press conference. Cause I, I think that we know that's going to be a, a political response. It's a great day in Orlando magic organization. It's a great day for magic fans. He was a guy that we wanted all along. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I'm curious to hear what, what really made them say, you know, mostly that's, that's going to be our guy. So I think for me personally, again, as I did my research on the guy, a ton of experience. So he spent the last seven years coaching, under Rick Carlisle in the Mavericks team, a team that has been successful, that made the playoffs, historically has been a great team. We, we know that, you know. So that is always a good sign. Prior to that, he spent some time with the Cavaliers, 2010 to 2014. Before that, with some great teams in the, in, with the Denver Nuggets uh, under George Carl. So I think when it comes to basketball, I think I read somewhere today, he started coaching at age 26. He's now 42. So young guy, but with a ton of basketball experience on the sidelines. And I think that catches the attention of the Magic right away. It did for me. Again, it's, it's a new guy being the head coach, but it's a lot of experience. Um, I think you said on Twitter, it reminds you of Jack Bond all over again. I think what's different is Jack Bond had two years of experience when he became a coach of the Magic. This guy, again, has paid his dues. He's been on the, on the sidelines for a while. And then more research I did on him, he actually applied for many uh, open head coaching jobs the last few seasons, including the Knicks, uh, the Cavaliers, the Pacers, and the Bulls. And all the feedback that came in, in, at least in the newspapers that came out or online that came out, is that he made a strong presence and a a strong impact in those interviews. So from that, I gathered the experiences there. He was a player. He is young. There are some good things to like about the hire. If that is the way that we go, let me also clarify, it's not official yet. It may become official the moment we're done with this podcast. But as of right now, it's not official yet. Um, But if this is the way that we go, I think that's what the magic like. It's a young guy, ton of experience. My hope is that we fill the rest of the bench with some experienced assistant coaches because we need that in the locker room. We need guys that can say, hey, this guy is your coach. You understand that, but also respect us as having experience on the sidelines. Um, and a name that came to mind for me was Terry Stotts. Like, would he be willing to join a team like the Magic and say, hey, be paid well and serve that role? Um, somebody said that they spent some time together in the coaching staff in Denver back when George Carl was a head coach. So that makes me wonder, is there a connection there? Do they, do they like each other? Um, so we'll see, man. I think there's a lot of things that we will never know. Um, but personally, for me, it makes me wonder, was the Magic job really as as highly coveted as we thought it would be as it was initially told right cuz during Jeff Waltman's press conference you know that's that was one of the points that he wanted to stand on saying that this would be a coveted position um but this is a guy that you know he's he's defense oriented um i want to say that i read somewhere someone had a comment on there saying um he's i think it was Mavs draft I think you were the one that asked the question. Yes. Um, just to kind of get a, a feel for him, what what can we expect? But he's he's someone that is expecting to to have a free flowing offense to kind of let the players play a little bit. Um, person that is is going to put a focus around player development. Um, and there's the players, the Dallas Mavericks players really respect him. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's it's to me, they want. I don't want the most surprising, but it's probably one of the biggest benefits. 
Luka Doncic, when they were in their first beginning process of trying to find a coach, um, was on record stating that he would endorse Jamal Mosley as a head coach if they decided to go that route. Um, so for a player of Luka's caliber to say that, you know, you you would only assume and expect really good things from this coach. I just hope that this isn't a fall guy. I just hope that and when I when I say that I was getting Jock Vaughn vibes. I don't want a coach that we're just going to have for three years to kind of just put up with the losing. And then we can that coach to go with the next one. You know, we kind of went that route before. And, you know, we we don't want to go one, two, three, four, five different coaches within the span of four or five years. We don't want to do that. We saw how that can drastically impact development with Aaron Gordon, with Alfred Payne. We we don't we don't want that. We want to be able to have a coach that is able to grow along with this young core. So it, it makes me feel good knowing um, that he's respected by the players. And I'm not sure if you saw the video of him winning his his first game as a ho- head coach for the yes. Dallas Mavericks when um, Carlisle was out. And they really embraced him after the win. So I can I can quickly see, you know, our young players really, really, you know, diving in with with Mosley and, and kind of see everyone grow all together. Yeah, I think that was great to see again. That that shows that, and I'm talking about when he first won his game. Um, Carlisle, I think, was dealing with some COVID uh restrictions yep. and he stepped up to be the head coach against the Knicks. And he ended up winning that game. Um, so yeah, the celebration was great. It kind of reminded me of the celebration after Cole Anthony hit the game winner. That's the type of reaction. Um, so it says a lot for the team to embrace their, their coach, stepped in and, and celebrate him in that fashion. Um, but another thing that kind of I found interesting is he spent some time actually with a USA basketball mini camp um, back in 2018 when Greg Popovich was the coach of that team. Um, so kind of interesting again. So the experience extends beyond just the NBA level. He's coached the USA team, lots of talented players uh, in those teams, as we know. Uh, but again, for Popovich to reach out to him and have him in his staff for that speaks volumes of what they think of him as a coach. So again, I think there's a lot of great things to like about him. Um, again, the offensive side too, they say that he, on the offensive side, he's a mix of Carlisle and George Carl, two guys that are known for pushing the tempo, playing freestyle offense, which we haven't had in Orlando. I mean, I don't know since when, uh, our offense has always been very blah. Let's be real. Vogel wasn't fun to watch on the offensive side of things. Clifford, not fun at all. So I, I don't know. I, I know he's a defensive minded coach, but if he brings a type of offense that is fast paced, free flowing, I think the young guys are going to embrace that a lot more and enjoy it a lot more than what they were running with Clifford. Yeah. And I, I was really surprised just because he is a defense oriented guy. I really thought that we we're going to bring someone that had offensive, you know, drive and power. So it was obviously that, you know, that's still really, really the defensive side is really, really big focus for the front office. One thing that I like is that there was a lot of emphasis on him being the type of person that held his players accountable. And I think that through experience, we've had coaches that really didn't do that. It was too much on the the friendly side. And with Steve Clifford, I feel like that was that was one of the things that I really liked about Steve Clifford. Um, when we had Frank Vogel, Aaron Gordon, um, during his exit interviews, you know, he had made a he had made a comment that. You know, it's and no one was really held accountable. And the fact that we we have a player, excuse me, we we have a coach that is still going to preach on the defense side, allow their players to be able to play in a free open offense um, is going to be on the court with them. And and is still young enough to to actually walk through because we that's some of the things that we liked about Kenny Atkinson, um, that he's able to actually be on the floor and and not just yell and, and scream and, and teach from afar, but actually teach from inside the inner circles and inside on, on the hardwood. Um, I think that that's all benefits and traits that, you know, would really, really connect with a young core. So it's going to be fun to now. Great. We have this now domino fall in that we've been kind of waiting for what it seems. It seems like damn near four months, but you know, it's <laughs> a few weeks. Um, now it's it's going to be interesting to see you know his voice get impacted with the next step, the next stage, which is now going to be the NBA draft. 
Yeah, I mean, and before that, you might start hearing some names be added to the staff. And I think that's going to be fun yep. to watch to see kind of how, how that plays out. Do we keep the guys that we have in place or some of them at least? I don't know if that's the way we'll go. We'll see. Um, but that'll be fun to watch how the rest of the roster of coaching staff gets built here over the next few weeks. And of course, 21 days away from the draft. So I think from now on is when things get kind of interesting for us as, as Magic fans because we start to build the roster, the drafts around the corner, free agency. And then we ended up with Summer League um, in the middle of August. So a lot to look forward to, for sure. Yeah, so you got your money on Terry Stotts? I would like to see that name, for sure. I think that's a guy that, strong offensive side of things. So if mostly is mainly defensive, that's fine. Have Stotts kind of run the offense for you. Um, and has a ton of experience. So I would like to see that. I don't think it will happen, but I just wanted some sort of marquee name out there a coaching a coach that has experience that has had some playoff experience maybe not to be the head coach but to at least be on the bench and i think the magic would want to put somebody with experience next, next to mostly i don't think they want him to fail and put a young coaching staff around him so we'll see what happens what about you are there any names out there that kind of intrigue you to be a um so some coach? of the names that yeah, some of the names that I've already seen was uh, the first. Uh, obviously, since he's coming from the Dallas Mavericks side, um, people are kind of hoping that Daryl Armstrong is kind of st- stolen away from from Mavericks. Um, yeah. In in terms of, I, I would like to see hopefully that they're able to to keep you know someone like Corbin that's that's had some time with the Magic and is a little familiar with the players. That way, there's a kind of like an easy transition. That would be nice to see. Um, but I would I would love a powerhouse of you know a, a coaching team. This is going to be his first head coaching stint, and I would really really love to see you know an experienced coach right behind him. And I agree, Terry Stotts might be a good good fit, especially if they have some type of connection from the past. I didn't know that, so that's I think that would be a, a really really good steal if if you're able to do that because if he's leading the way on the defense side. Then how awesome would it be to have someone that is great with offense, terrible with defense, but great yep. with offense to be right next to him? That'll be great. Um, and to answer the DA question, I think people have, have been saying this and, and, and talking about it on Twitter all night. Um, I've addressed that as many times as I can. I, I keep saying to people, he's not coming, he's not coming. Um, keep, people keep asking me, how do you know? Where, where's that coming from? So if you don't know, we've had DA on the podcast um, actually last year during the pandemic. Um, so he's been an, an amazing person. He keeps reaching out to us from time to time and responding to our things. So I, in a friendly manner, addressed him and said, Hey, listen, are you coming to Orlando? It'll be great to have you join us. We, the fans want you here. And DA unfortunately shut that down. He said, Hey, I'm happy that in Dallas, I'm staying here. Um, so unfortunately from the man himself, he's staying in Dallas. Now, could that change? Should the magic throw a bunch of money at him? We don't know. But as of today, July 8th, he's going to be with the Dallas Mavericks. No nah, man, Mark Cuban don't want to let him go. They take care of him in Dallas. If if he hasn't jumped ship yet, then yeah, he's not. He's not. Why leave Dallas? He's got it. Yeah. He's got it good over there. So good for yeah, him. I don't think so. But then back to Stotts for a second. If you realize what teams are doing, like in Indiana, they brought in um, what's his name from the Hawks, uh, Pierce, the coach. Yep. Uh, he he became an assistant uh, there. Uh, there's rumors now saying that. Um, uh, the Worcester side coach, God, I can't think of names right now. Uh, uh Scott Brooks. Scott Brooks is gonna be joining, I forgot who's uh Jason assistant. There you go. So there's a lot of this season head coaches who were coaches last year joining teams as assistants right now. So you never know. Maybe Terry Stott is, is the next one that wants to kind of take it easy, come to a warm city, beautiful city in Orlando and have the family enjoy the parks and all that good stuff. And hey, collect a good paycheck in the process. Yeah, but those are those are coaches that are are trying to fight their way back into a head coaching job. So True. another example, Kenny Atkinson with the Golden State Warriors. If the Golden State Warriors are successful and they're able to make it, you know, deep into the playoffs and and we hear that Kenny Atkinson did this, did that, then on the next coaching wheel, the coaching cycle, he would be again another name that comes up saying that he helped this way and that way and whatever the case may be. So I, I think that that's the only tough part uh, with all these former head coaches becoming associate coaches and assistant coaches, whatever the case may be, is that they're really going to look for, you know, let, so for example, Kenny Atkinson, 
he left the Clippers to join the Golden State Warriors instead of, you know, I'm not sure how much interest we showed or interview process. Why didn't he take the Orlando Magic job? But he obviously wants to be put in a way better situation than, you know, what we had here. Yeah, it's unfortunate. And I think there was a reason, I guess, why we never heard his name officially, you know, as one of the candidates that we interviewed. We never came out from Shams, never came out from Woj. I would like I would like confirmation and maybe we can kind of you know keep hounding down Josh Robbins, but I would like confirmation to find out whether or not if we really did interview Kenny Atkinson or not. Yeah, man, because I, I think again, m- me, you, and 90 other magic fans that I know for sure, that was a name at the top of the list that we wanted. Um, so when you texted me yesterday and said, Hey, at least you get to to follow Kenny Atkinson closely, because you guys know I like Stephen Curry, so I'll be watching the Warriors. So I'll see him on the sidelines, at least with the Warriors. But it makes sense, man. Like I said on Twitter yesterday, if it was me and I had the chance to go coach with Steve Kerr and the new rebuilt Warriors with Stephen Curry healthy, Clay Thompson, and two lottery picks that they have, and Draymond Green, they're going to be running for a championship again next season. So, you know, why not go for that? Um, he's an offensive guy. What better offense to run than the, than the Golden State Warriors? So it makes sense. I understand why he made the decision. Again, I don't know if he interviewed or not for the Magic job. It just, again, it, it kind of sucks because it was such a good fit. In every aspect, it was just, it made too much sense. Um, but with the Magic, as we know, things that make too much sense usually don't happen. Yeah, so we'll we'll see what happens. We should be hearing um, who they're adding on uh, to the coaching staff within the the upcoming weeks. So um, now, Coach Clifford was decided to have his first interview um, with the game. What is it? Nine six point nine. The game. Mm-hmm. Is that what it's called? Um, it, since him deciding to mutually part ways from the head coaching job, and was quoted saying this. I did not want to spend another year where winning wasn't important. Um, Don't want to spend too much time talking about Cliff because I'm all about the future now. Um, But what I do want to know is what are some of the things that you're most looking forward to with this new coach that would be completely different than how Cliff would have ran things? The offense. Um, If I had one complaint about Clifford since he really got to Orlando, I'll be honest, it was the offense. Um, if you ever got to go to a game with me and anybody who I went to the games with, I just kept saying it. Our offense is so boring. It's so predictable. It's the same offense every single time. If, if things don't work the first time, we'll try it again. And I said it on Twitter earlier today. The only person who really benefited from the offense that Clifford ran was Fucevic. And I get it. You know, he was our best player. So great. We're running things for him. Amazing. But once we traded Vooch, our offense just looked weird like there was no flow to it and i get it It was all new players but it just showed me there's no really creativity on the offensive end um even things were like aaron gordon we never got creative with hey let's let's run pick and rolls with him where he's the one that attacks the rim and maybe it was nothing like that it was just simply boring basketball um i mean he got a little creative he put aaron gordon at the point guard god yeah, let, let's not go there. Let's not go there. <laughs> but to answer your question, uh, that's one thing I'm excited for, to see a more of a fast-paced, more modern NBA offense. And again, mostly it's known for defense. So I can't say I'm super excited as, as if we were a guy in Atkinson here who I know his style is three and layups, dunks, and threes, which is today's NBA. I don't know if mostly we'll follow that same style, but at least I know he'll do something different. That freestyle offense, a free flow offense. I'm looking forward to that. I think it will help a lot of the guys like Markel Falls, Cole Anthony, um, Chuma Okiki, those younger guys who need that creativity on the offensive end. I'm curious to see how his perspective, Coach Mosley's perspective of what the rotation should look like ends up looking like. You know, the Cliff was very, very strict on his rotation. So this player will play until this minute mark. And then as soon as we hit that minute mark, no matter how well or how bad that player is playing, then we're going to add this player to play from this minute stretch. Um, I think that that was part of one of the the frustrating parts because you can kind of predict uh, what coach cliff is going to do. You know, there, there wasn't really any adjustments made till you know, kind of towards the end of the game. And even still he, he tried to stick 
um, to his adjustment. So um, I'm I'm interested to see how he views Mo Bamba. How would he utilize him differently? How how much he would play MCW and and Terrence Ross and Gary Harris and how much um, how much more focus and emphasis he puts on the younger guys playing. Um, it's it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting for sure. So I'm excited to see the the differences in the change. Um, I think that this is a, a good sign. I, I mentioned earlier that I started getting Jack Vaughn vibes, but um, I started doing my research also. And, and I think that this might just be a coach that, again, surprises people and is able to grow with the players and, and really help and, and develop the team and, and make the team a lot better than, you know, what Cliff was able to do, you know, his one, two seasons with, with the young guys. I think so too, man. But that's a really good point you bring up the rotation piece. That's not, that's probably been the second thing I hated the most. No matter how hot Terrence Strong got, he could score 20 points in a row. If that four minute mark got there in the second quarter, take him out on the bench. Like yep. that's, you can't do that, man. Today, you got to let players flow, feel it out there. The guy's feeling it, keep feeding him the ball and just write it out. That's what basketball's all about. Those momentum, those, those, those stretches where the player's feeling it. So yeah, you make a really good point on that. And, about the Mamba thing, the Mo Bamba thing, I think that's really, really a good point. I think this may be a coach who gets on Bamba's face and gets the best out of him, which I don't know if Clifford was just done with that and not really dealing with it too much. Um, so I'm looking forward to that, to see how Mo Bamba reacts to this new coach um, and if, if he can get the best out of him. Yeah, we can't say welcome to Orlando just yet because it's not official. Um, they're still in the negotiation portion of this process. Um, so, you know, hopefully, hopefully soon. And then we start working on the next step, which is hiring some, hiring some assistant coaches and to get this thing going. I got to ask this, you before, before we move uh, on real quick, what yep. do you think those negotiations entail? Do you think it's just about the money or do you think there's conversations around, Hey, what, what guys can I bring with me from Dallas, from other teams that I want to add to the staff? So do you think it's a money conversation? Do you think it's more of a money plus other components? Money and other components. Um, you, so it's, it's always interesting because when you're the first of something, you, you really don't, not that you don't know what to expect, but you don't know exactly how things would run. Mm -hmm. And he's used to a certain way running in, in Dallas. I'm sure that he also is aware of the do's and the don'ts said Carlisle was able to do. You think Carlisle from the front, from their front office, how much word and input would he really take from what they have to say? Or was he more of, this is my team. This is my players. I'm going to coach the way that I'm going to coach because I'm Rick Carlisle. Does he get the same stretch? Does he get the same benefits? Is he making sure that, you know, that's said right away during negotiations? Hey, if I'm going to coach this team, then it's my say. Or how much input, you know, is the front office going to put in? Maybe that's what they wanted. Maybe they wanted a little more input. You think that the front office had any say so on what Steve Clifford was was going to do with his player? He had the experience already where this is my team and I'm going to do everything I can to win my way. So I, I would imagine that that's added in the negotiation talks, guaranteeing money also. What yeah. about you? What do you think? Yeah, I think so too. I think that's that's what the talks are all about right now. It's it's not only about the money. I think that's the easy part, you know. Um, now, do you see the Magic, you know, offering a four-year, five-year deal to him, or do you think they try to kind of keep it to a two to three-year deal? <clears throat> that's interesting. Because most that, coaches nowadays are getting four years, like four to five. I, <clears throat> I think that that's going to tell a lot about how they feel about Mosley. Mm -hmm. If I'm Mosley, I'm only accepting a four-year. At the same time, you know, he decided to go a different direction from Dallas the minute that they decided to go to Jason Kidd. So if I'm him, I'm I'm shooting for that four. And I, I think that would be that would be the right thing to do, man. You don't you don't want to tell the coach that you don't have confidence in him and only give him a two, three year deal. Exactly. Ima imagine being a head coach and you only get a two year deal. Yeah, no, that's not that's not gonna fly. Not not in so in today's NBA. A coach I don't think will accept those terms because then you know if I if I do not produce at a, at a high level my first year, then that second year you're pretty much already thinking, okay, am I going to get extended? Like that's not the right thing to do for for a coach. That's for sure. <clears throat> yeah, exactly. 
I guess we'll see. We'll see. I'd be interested to find out how how because who who right now uh who who is it? The Celtics. They ended up signing uh Ime Udaka. Do you know what his track was? He would be he just signed his um first contract. Let me see if I can pull it up real quick. Uh Celtics contract. What are you thinking? How much do you think he got? Oh man, money wise? I have no idea. I would say somewhere between 15 to 20 million. Mm, Maybe not. See. Yeah, no, I can't find it. I'll make sure that I look for it and we'll bring it up later. But th- that would be a really good one to compare it to. Yeah, that's true. Because that's another coach that's first first time being a coach in the NBA. Um, so, yeah, that, I think that would make sense. All right. We'll, we'll put that off to the side and we'll come back to it. All right. So. Let's talk about mock drafts, right? We're done with the coaching talk. Let's talk about mock drafts. And from, since the last time that we've had the conversation, um, since our last episode, there's been a little change with that eighth pick. <clears throat> there's a lot of popular, popular um, conversations happening around James Book Knight. So first and foremost, before we get into the mock drafts, what are your initial thoughts on James Book Knight? It makes sense, man. Um, scorer. He's a guy who finishes well at the rim. It's a guy who can score the ball. Now, is he the most efficient scorer? No. Um, so he reminds me a little bit of a, a taller shooting guard position, Cole Anthony. It's a guy that can score the ball, athletic, can finish at the rim, but his shot is not consistent. His three-point shot is not the most efficient either. So I like him. If he's there and we draft him, I wouldn't be upset. I've said this many, many times. Moody or Book Knight, for me, are the perfect eighth pick for the Magic. Offensive-minded, can hit shots. We need that. Um, But I think Book Knight's more of a shot creator, more of a guy that can create in different ways, mid-range, different ways to finish at the rim. Um, Moody would be more of a three-point shooter, uh, set shots. Um, So a little bit different. The two of them. So, but Book Knight, man, it's a guy that's intriguing. He keeps going higher and higher. Be, I'm sorry. He was dropping actually in the mock drafts, getting closer and closer to the top five. Um, and many people have him going to Golden State or the Magic. So, we could see a draft where Golden State picks him and they were like, man, that's the guy we wanted and missing by one pick. It, typical Orlando Magic story. So, CBS Sports has the Magic selecting Kaminga at five and Book Knight at eight. ESPN has us selecting Barnes at five and Book Knight at eight. Sports Illustrated has us selecting Barnes at five and Giddy at eight. The Ringer has us Jonathan Kaminga at five. Frank Wagner at eight. And NBA Draft.net, Barnes at five and Keon Johnson at eight. So it's funny how I mispronounced Frank Wagner. Wagner. Yes. But it's funny how you see Kaminga. And Barnes flip flopping in every single month, yeah. like it, it's not for sure. I think I think there's more of these draft websites that are really they're the ones that are pushing Scotty Barnes again into that top five. I just don't see a world where we don't select Jonathan Kaminga at five. I don't I don't see it. I think if you're the Magic, you got to bring them both in and do a, a workout and have them go at each other, and you got to compare their shooting. You got to compare them one on one. You got to compare them on a three on three scenario. It's going to be close. And Barnes keeps rising and rising in the mock drafts. Um, people are now saying that he may easily jump into the top four. And I'm like, Jesus, like weeks ago, this guy was supposed to be anywhere between six all the way to like 10. Now he's climbing the top four. It happens every year, though. There's always that prospect that you don't expect that jumps on the boards. Um, he makes a lot of sense for teams like Cleveland. Now, can Toronto look at him too? I don't know why they would need him, but you never know. Um, so I don't see him top four. I really, really don't. But yeah. you, you never know, man. But the, the way that they're they're saying things, all these experts and analysts, maybe there is some truth to it. I just don't see it. This draft is weird because literally the the top five could be interchangeable. It's not the 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 Pistons, are, they're not coming out saying that, oh, we're gonna draft, we're gonna draft Kate Cunningham. Nope. It, it's it's weird because with Zion, when it was his draft, you knew 100% he was going number one. 
period. Mm-hmm. This is supposed to be a really, really good draft. Really good draft. Cade may not get drafted. He, he will get drafted number one, but he may not. There's still a lot of talks of Jalen Green. Jalen Green is saying, you guys are crazy if you don't draft me number one. Yep. That's what Jalen Green confidence. is saying. Um, there's talks about uh, Detroit trying to trade down. They're not even 100% wanting to listen. Detroit is not a good basketball team. They have good young pieces. They have Killian Hayes, Sadiq Bay, and they don't want Kay Cunningham. So something about Kay Cunningham makes them say, maybe I can trade down, get a little bit more. This guy may not be our future. Who knows? But it's it's interesting to see how how the draft kind of falls down. Um, because after that top five, that six, seven, eight, nine, ten is really where it can really change and adjust. I want Book Night. You want Moses Moody. The reason why I want Book Night is because if you're gonna get Kaminga at five, then you need that offense. You do. And if we're gonna miss out on Jalen Green, then why not go after the arguably arguably the second best shooting guard in the draft? And he's someone that is athletic, can really put the ball in the hoop, that has you know really different offensive skills in his bag to where he can really hurt you with. Um, and he's able to really push the offense. Like this dude is you give you give him the ball in the fast break, and he's gonna find a way to finish. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's something that we haven't had in a really long time. We need to be able to have that offensive driver. So it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see where we fall five and eight. And unfortunately, we still have to wait a really long time, really long 21 time. Twenty one more days. <laughs> yeah. So we'll see. We'll see. All right. Now let's get into pass or shoot. All right. So earlier today, I posted on my social media, Orlando Magic a mock trade. The Athletic decided to come out with just uh, some couple different mock trades of Detroit moving their number one pick and listed this for the Orlando Magic. Wendell Carter Jr., the fifth and the eighth pick for Mason Plumley, and the number one pick. One, would you do it? We know the answer. Two, would Detroit do it? Um, I think it depends on who Detroit really wants. Like you just mentioned, if they're not in love with Kate Cunningham, if they don't think he's the guy that they need, or Jalen Green for that matter, then maybe you look at it. Are they looking for more depth? Are they looking for more security, like like balanced roster? Or are they going for like my that that star player potential? That's really what I think about. Because I mean, if you get a fifth pick, eighth pick, and Wendell Carter Jr., that's a lot of nice young depth you're adding to your team. And you all of a sudden that's have a, a ton of an accelerated rebuild. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But like the magic, we're dying for a superstar talented player that has potential to be a superstar in this league. So for the magic, of course, I mean, you have to pull that trigger, even though in my opinion, personally, that's a lot to give up. You're giving up pretty much three solid young players for the hope that that first pick becomes what you think you'll become. So it's a lot to give up, but for the Magic, because again, we need that potential all-star in our roster. You do it for that reason. Now, again, I don't think Detroit does it. I don't think that may be enough, even though somebody posted earlier today, and I'm like, wait, that, that makes sense. In years past, when the Celtics traded to number one, I'm sorry, Philly traded to number one to draft Markel Fultz from three to one, all they traded was that pick swap, and then a future first. So when you think about that for a second, the Magic giving up two first-round picks this year, a Wendell Carter guy, yeah, Wendell Carter, who's still on the rookie contract, about to sign an extension this summer coming up, it's a lot to give up. I've already sold myself on Jonathan Kaminga. I've (laughs) I've went to church. I've done the research. (laughs) I've read articles, scouting reports. Watch about a million YouTube videos. I'm at a point that if we don't have Jonathan Kaminga, I'm going to be disappointed. I've already sold myself on Jonathan Kaminga. 
I'm on the fence with giving so much to move up the fifth and the eighth and Wendell Carter. I'm not, I'm still on the fence about Mo Bamba. I really hope that we bring back Mo Wagner. Really hope that we bring him back. He played yep. really, really well internationally. So I'm 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 not ready to give up Wendell Carter. If that's if that's what needs to happen, then okay. If it happens, I'm not upset about it. I'd be hyped. I'd be super hyped. Who wouldn't be? Yep. But hindsight, would that be the best decision? Getting the number one player, the number two player, number three player does not guarantee that they're going to be an all-star. Does not guarantee that they're going to be the franchise. Uh, we look at Trey Young, Luka Doncic, players that were drafted outside of the three. Is that is that really the right move? Do we really want to risk that much? Again, if it happens, I'll be happy. But at the same time, if it doesn't happen, I will be okay. If you were to ask me that on lottery night, it would be completely different. <laughs> but now my perspective has changed where I've, I want the best player available at five and someone that can really bring the offense at eight. And I think that Kaminga and book Knight would be the players to, to be able to do that with, um, especially with how everything is falling now with Mosley um, potentially becoming the next head coach of the Orlando magic. So you're thinking more, let's go after depth and, and, and accumulate more assets rather than kind of give it all up to try to get that one star that may not become enough. Like, we don't know. Like you said, we don't know. For every great first, second, third pick in the draft, there's a few busts in there. You don't want to be the one with that bust because then you gave up a ton of stuff for a Marvin Correct. <laughs> Correct. So for right now, I'm passing. I can't believe okay. I said that. On recorded, I'm passing, but I'm passing. Yeah, it's a tough decision, though, I, I got to say. Yep. All right, so the next one. RJ Hampton is growing. He's claiming that he is now six foot seven. So if you haven't seen on uh, RJ Hampton's uh, Instagram story, he posted, a, I guess, reposted a video of him doing some crazy dunk um, during one of his workouts. And he had mentioned that, you know, he's he's six foot seven. You buying that? It wasn't really like a confirmation. Like the way that he kind of worded it uh, was that it's, it's spooky. Seven, seven. Are you are you buying that? Is he? Are you telling me that RJ Hampton, in just a matter of a couple months, went home, came back, and is because he was listed six foot four, maybe six foot five with shoes? You tell me this man grew an extra two three inches. Are you buying that? So I'm gonna shoot. And, I, and I'm going to shoot based on my own observation because when, when he got to Orlando, I actually, I think it was you that I asked, I said, hey, like, is he really 6'4"? Because he seemed taller. Like when he was playing shooting guard and small forward out there, he seemed on par with the opponents. Like he wasn't looking like a, like a small player. Like Cole Anthony. Cole Anthony is supposed to be 6'2", but he looks more like a six-footer out there sometimes. But I got the opposite feeling with RJ Hampton. He looks, you know, like a guy who either was growing or just looked taller than what he was announced at 6'4". So I'm going to shoot. I think that that is true. And the videos that he's posting right now, he's looking, man, he's looking good, number one. But number two, I believe that that's really accurate. And we need it as a team, too. Because imagine this guy now playing small forward or shooting guard. All of a sudden now, the issues of do you play Markel, Cole, and RJ together go away. You can yeah, I'm gonna shoot on it also. Um it's it's crazy because how much would so Jeff Woman has already kind of said that he would envision RJ Hampton playing the three. Mm -hmm. Him being six foot seven, not that you wouldn't have been able to do that with him being six four, but him playing six foot seven is is wild, man. Is yep. wild because he's already athletic. Imagine six foot seven running down the floor the way that he does with his speed crazy yeah, that's dangerous that's super dangerous and he was already like getting the confidence of him playing as much as he's playing the way that he ended last season you carry that over on top of that he's two or three inches taller sheesh it's exciting it's big time we keep the, what is the same? thanks denver we all keep saying that 
it's the gift that keeps on giving man i i wonder i wonder because you know it's it's a couple inches right but if you're the denver front office and you hear that you're just like damn do we really do we really just do that for aaron gordon do we really (laughs) just do that I think after the way that Aaron Gordon played in the playoffs, you definitely have to ask yourself that question because I, I can guarantee you when they traded for him, they did not envision six points, four rebounds, and whatever he averaged. Like they envisioned a guy that could average 15, grab 10 rebounds. Like that was it, the goal, right? So when you look at the other side of the scale, like, hey, we gave up this guy, young, potential, gym rat. I mean, this dude has been at the gym from the moment the season ended. Like he's been working out and trying to get better. He knows what's at stake. He knows he's going to be coming into the training camp in summer league fighting for minutes. Because So right now we have three, four solid guards that can play in this team. Jumal Kiki can play the three. So he's going to be fighting for minutes. So he knows he needs to come in strong, better than ever before. Um, and it's great to see that he's putting in the effort. He's putting in the time. Same thing with Cole Anthony, another guy who's fighting for minutes next season with Markel and Terrence Strauss and all these guys. So I'm excited that our two youngest guys on the team, the two rookies of last season outside of Chuma are so aggressive about working out and putting in the time because that's what you want to see them do. Yeah. And that's the thing about having a brand new coaching staff is everything that you did last season out the window. It was great. Co-Anthony, two game winning shots. Great. This season. Yep. You don't, you don't have, you know, that that's going to help him as a player develop, but now you're, you're starting from scratch, everyone's on a clean slate. Mm-hmm. RJ Hampton, Cole Anthony, Mobamba, Chuma. So it's gonna it's gonna be interesting. So on that on that note, now, how happy are you with the decision of our potential new head coach Jamal Mosley, Pastor Shoot? So the question is, I am happy with the decision that we hired Jamal Jamal Mosley, right? Mm-hmm. On that, I'm going to just be honest and say pass. Um, Whoa. And I'm, again, I'm being honest See. just because. See. Just because. Al, too, too much negativity, Al. <laughs> Man, I was so positive in the lottery, and that just hurt me. I was so positive about the coaching search, and again, not even a top 10 candidate. It's crazy in my list. because about, about a week and a half ago, we, were, we felt as if we were on the verge of hiring Penny Hardaway. I know. And we felt as if that was happening. So, and then. And then when that didn't happen, we convinced ourselves that it's okay. You know, it's probably we're probably better off without Penny Hardaway. That's when we started agreeing with everyone that was against Penny. Yep. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't have coaching experience. Well, what really did he do in Memphis? And then we convinced ourselves, okay, Kenny. Yeah, we're okay without Penny because we got Kenny Atkinson. Now Kenny Atkinson is gonna happen. So for that reason, I'm passing just because it's been honestly. Let down after let down this all season so far, unfortunately. You know, the lottery didn't go our way. If you've been listening to our podcast every week, you know how excited I was, how positive I was. Top three was a lock for us. I knew that we dropped to five. Coaching search happens. I'm excited. We let go of Clifford. I kind of want to see that change happen. It happens, like you just mentioned. Penny, that excitement. The hey, wait, that's gonna be exciting. The the fan base can embrace him so much. Man, I can already talk CSPN talking about Penny the coach. Like, awesome. Nope. Okay, let's go with Kenny. Nope. Becky. Nope. <laughs> so <laughs> for that reason, again, he wasn't, I'm being honest, he was not a top 10 candidate in my list. So again, I don't know enough about him. He may be Damn, the best not coach. A top 10? No, he was not. Like, he just really wasn't. I, I, I did that rundown this afternoon, and he was not. So... I'm talking about from when we first found out Clifford was let go. I mean, he was added to the list recently because it was one of the few names left. But reality is, man, he was not in my list. I'm excited for him. Again, I'm going to trust the front office, embrace him in Orlando. I'm a Magic fan. I'm going to root for him. But again, I'll be lying if I said I'm excited. I'm ready to you know, say we're going to go to the playoffs and this guy's going to be the guy that takes us to the finals. I hope so, but I'm not there right now. I'm I'm gonna shoot on it. I'm excited that the process is over. I I was I was already tired of hoping and wishing and and maybe this person, maybe that person. To me, this was probably the most stressed out I've been. 
out maybe even a little bit more maybe not a little bit more maybe just as much as a lottery but i'm just glad that decision is on the verge of happening and we can kind of just move forward to the next thing um and again it from the conversations that you and i have had he checks off everything that we were hoping that we would get out of you know the the next head coach of the Orlando Magic and and he definitely checks off a lot of boxes sure yep all right so on that note al final thoughts Final thoughts. Now we have a head coach, apparently. Again, not official yet. We'll find out more probably tomorrow. Um, the terms of the contract and all the good stuff. So we turned the page and we kind of now go into building the rest of the assistant coach, the coaching staff, assistant coaches, all that good stuff. Um, but most importantly, the workouts and the draft process. Um, again, we're about three weeks away now from the draft. Keep bringing in guys that you want to have in our team. So far, we, we forgot to mention it, but we've we've worked out so far. Uh, Kispert, the shooter from Gonzaga, and we worked out, apparently, uh, Moody today. So we're bringing in guys in that eighth range, I think, right now. I can't wait to see when we start bringing in the, the, the big dogs, Jalen Suggs and Kaminga, and those guys that we know are going to be top five. Um, and then we'll see what happens, man. But I'm excited to see how this whole thing plays out. But like you, I wish I could just hit fast forward and get to the 29th, be at Amway for the draft party and see what we do, man. But it's going to take... I'm, uh, I'm trying to make sure that this rescheduled trip of mine does not happen during the NBA draft, which would be 100% worse um, than missing out on the coaching hire. You're going to miss out when I'm having a blast sending you a video saying, hey, we traded for Jalen Green, we traded for Jalen Green, and you can't get my message for like four days. <laughs> Imagine coming back to that. Getting off the plane, finally get signal, get a whole bunch of text messages that pop up saying we did this, we did that. Not good for my soul. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll see what happens. I'm excited to see what what players we end up bringing in, also, um, and you know the the hiring of the new coaching staff, and just ready for the next domino piece to fall. Um, but man, that's that's it, Coach Mosley, Coach Mo. It's got to be the nickname, right, Coach Mo. It's got to be. We got too many moles on the team. We may have three. So Coach Mo, Mo Bamba, and Mo Wagner. So interesting stuff happening in the locker room. (laughs) That's right. All right, man. Thank you for listening. It's a wrap. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to the Ozone Podcast, the voice of magic fans. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at the Ozone Pod. And remember to subscribe and leave a five-star review on all your favorite podcast listening platforms.